A reading from the Gospel according to John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. When she said this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me because I've not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. And a reading from the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13, verse 7. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. In the name of God, the Creator, the risen Christ, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. During the week before Easter, three years ago, I met Frances, one of our church school children, as she and her mother were coming into the church building to drop something off at the church office. We had a nice conversation and then we went our separate ways. And then a few days later, it was Easter Sunday and I was standing in the back of the sanctuary and in comes Frances and her family. 
And she looks at me and has a startled expression on her face and she says, you're still here. Yes, Francis, I'm still here. Three years later and all of you are now here with me through this online service. And what we mean by being here has taken on a lot of forms over these past couple of years. We've gathered online and in person, indoors and outdoors. Two years ago, I recorded the Easter Sunday message in my office because the entire sanctuary was under quarantine. It was one of the most unusual worship experiences I've ever had in my life. And then last year, we celebrated Easter Sunday outdoors along with all of the flowering shrubs and trees and bushes. And I have to say for me personally, it was one of the most marvelous experiences of worship I've ever had in my life. We're learning how to live in a world between worlds because so much about the old normal doesn't pertain anymore. The new normal has not yet revealed itself entirely. So we're living in this in-between time, what anthropologists call a liminal world. It's a threshold world. We're stepping from one space into another. And resilience has become one of our best teachers. 2,000 years ago, a man known only to us as Paul traveled throughout the Mediterranean world to establish Christian congregations where people could learn a Jesus way of life and could demonstrate that with one another and to the Roman Empire in which they lived. And he knew something about resilience. In the process of planting all those congregations around the Mediterranean, he was arrested, beaten, criticized, scorned, and shipwrecked. But he kept on keeping on. And at one point in his writings, he described the spirit of determination that he found in his congregations. Uh, I would say a spirit of determination, which was in them partly because it was in him. And so he said this, we are hard pressed on all sides, but we are never frustrated. We are puzzled, but never in despair. We are persecuted, but never deserted. We may be knocked down, but we're never knocked out. Did I say that he could be given to exaggeration? Still, here was a man who was up against enormous challenges throughout his entire adult life and yet found the inner resilience through his faith to help him meet those challenges and to help other people in these infant congregations to grow a life of faith of their own. Through these past two years, we've had to learn how to adjust and adapt to circumstances that have not just been beyond our control, but way beyond our control. We've been through a long, long season of loss and that season is not yet over. And the global pandemic is not the only challenge we face. The war in Ukraine is an outrage in every sense of the word. It's the most recent example of what the biblical scholar Davy Napier used to call the grim game of adjacency. This is where country A, being adjacent to country B, which is perhaps smaller, decides that it wants to take over country B and will do anything in its power to do so, whether through capitulation or elimination. And this is exactly what we see taking place in Ukraine. News of more gun violence in our nation came as unwelcome news, sad news, just a few days ago. In various parts of the world, like Afghanistan, 
People are trying to figure out how to survive an epic famine. And we're all facing the effects of climate change. No wonder that one of our members approached me after the Palm Sunday service and she said, nothing feels in alignment anymore. It's like all the puzzle pieces that used to fit together have been scattered and, and we can't find ways to put them together. They just don't fit anymore. It reminds me of a line in William Butler Yeats's poem, The Second Coming, where he says, the center does not hold, things fall apart. So who wouldn't feel this way, that things are out of alignment when there is such a merging of so many tragic circumstances? Who doesn't wonder from time to time whether we have the grace and the grit to meet those challenges? As the Irish-American author Jean Kerr once said, if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs, it's just possible that you haven't grasped the situation. And yet, here we are. We're still worshiping. We're still finding ways to center ourselves in the love and the hope of God. In fact, by creating online services, our expression of our faith has increased over the past couple of years. And of course, many communities of faith have found that across the world. So we may be quite possibly perplexed, uncertain about the future, deeply concerned about the way the world is evolving, but we're not resigned. During a time of global pandemic, when I have sought for inspiration, when I've looked for inspiration, I have had to look no farther than the congregation at Round Hill Community Church. During this really challenging time in the history of the world, a group of volunteers from this congregation joined with volunteers from the First Presbyterian Church in Greenwich, the North Greenwich Congregational Church, and the Greenwich International Ladies Group, all under the auspices of Jewish Family Services, and we began to resettle Afghan evacuees in our community. It's been an enormous task. There are 18 individuals we have helped to resettle through the group that's come to be known as Rising Hope, and we could never have done this without Jewish Family Services and their outstanding CEO, Rachel Kornfeld. But this, this discovery of outreach at this time is remarkable. And now so many other people in the community are becoming a part of it. We have gathered a small group of people here at Round Hill Community Church that's now uh, describing themselves as a let's talk about guns group a group that's inviting us to think about how we can res respond to gun violence. We're on the way to solarizing our campus. We hope to put over 280 solar panels on our buildings uh, in the spring. We've raised the money to do so, and we are so excited about the prospect of that and what that will mean for future generations who will be able to rely on renewable resources. For two years, people in this congregation have been reaching out to one another, supporting one another, offering solace to one another through text messages, emails, telephone calls, visits at a distance, dropping off food on doorsteps, uh, giving people a little bit of nourishment and encouragement. And then on May 13th, we're gonna be hosting a benefit concert for Ukraine right here in the sanctuary of Round Hill Community Church. If I had to summarize the power for life that's in all of those actions, I can do it in two words. Love endures. That's what I see through all of these various expressions of care. Love continues to flourish. Love continues to be strong. And it, if, of course, it's channeled through us. 
In fact, I think that the message of Easter can be distilled into those two words, love endures. Because when we say that Christ is risen, what we're saying is that the love that was expressed through him during his lifetime, through his healing touch, his imagination, his great strength of care, his open hospitality for others, all of this love that flowed through him did not die at his death, if anything. It then became spread out into the wider world through all of those who followed him. And it all started with Mary Magdalene, who was one of the witnesses to his resurrection. She, in fact, is the first Christian preacher to declare the good news that Christ was risen. She's the one who met him outside his tomb, the risen Christ. He was the same Jesus, but completely different. And she went back to the friends and said, I've seen the Lord. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It can be warm and sensual. It can be fierce and passionate and stubborn. It's vulnerable. And on Easter, we can also say that's, that, that it's unstoppable. Now, violence may impede it, but nothing can destroy it. Love is the way that God has chosen to work in the world. And that requires extraordinary patience. It requires a long view because love does not push or coerce or force. In the words of African-American spirituals, love keeps on keeping on. It's got its eyes on the prize. It makes a way out of no way. Love in the form of endurance is the parent who's there for his or her children 24-7, up at night, helping with homework, watching all of the changes that, that children go through. It's the researcher who's looking for that vaccine to address the, the horrifying situations created by COVID-19 and its variants. It's the diplomat who goes back to the table one more time, trying to find a way to get to peace. It's the poet who works hard to find just the right words to say that thing which will help to clarify our sense about who we are in the world and what matters most to us. It's the men and the women volunteering at the border of Ukraine and Poland who are welcoming all of those refugees and trying to give them the support and the encouragement that they need. And of course, we've seen love in the form of endurance in these past two years in terms of all of the medical caregivers all across the world who've sacrificed so much to care for those who've been infected with COVID-19 and its variants. The writer Samuel Beckett said that the full power of endurance can best be expressed in these seven words. I can't go on. I'll go on. I think of those words when I think about my father. When I was 15, my father was diagnosed with cancer. And he and my mother went to a whole series of medical appointments, and he underwent a whole series of tests. And it became clear that there was really nothing that could be done to stop the progress of that cancer. And I remember one day when that became absolutely clear to my father after one appointment, and he came into the house. And he walked up the stairs to the second floor. Instead of going to the right, which he normally did, to go into the bedroom that he shared with my mother, he went to the left, which was a guest bedroom. And that's where we had a brass bed that 
he, that his parents had used during their married life. And he laid down on that bed and my mother went into that room and he said to her, and I could overhear this from the hallway, he said, I, I can't go on, I can't do this. And in the most extraordinary way, my mother coaxed him back into a place where he could begin to face the future uh, with as much vigor and dignity and hope as possible. And I would have said that from that moment on over the next 16 months, my little family of my parents and I, we, we enjoyed in some ways the most extraordinary moments and the most loving moments we had ever shared together. I can't go on. I'll go on. That's, that's love in its full power of endurance. So the energy of life who made possible the Easter of Jesus still endures, is still on the loose, wild and free, uncontrollable, seeking to bring life out of death, hope out of despair. And thanks be to God, this resurrection power of God that raises the dead can resurrect us while we're still alive. It can remind us that we are born to be fully alive and not to accept anything less than that. And sometimes one of the great gifts we can give to one another is simply to say, you know, you're alive. How much more alive do you want to be? May Owen did that for me. May Owen was a member of a congregation that I served formerly, and uh, I used to love to visit with her. She had been born and raised in Jamaica and had come to this country as a young woman and raised a family, and she had wonderful stories to tell. And I used to visit her on a pretty regular basis, but on, in one period of my life, I just hadn't gotten back to her as soon as I would have liked, so finally went to visit her. Walked into the house, sat down, there she was. She didn't say a thing, she had a little smile on her face. And she said finally, so Ed, you're alive. It's a really good thing to have someone say that to you. And yes, we're alive. So what are we doing with this aliveness? Are we as alive as we'd like to be or as alive as we're being called to be? <clears throat> we're still here. We're still thinking about how to live and love and learn in the best ways possible. And we're not resigned to the way things are. This is such a critical part of being a member of a Christian community that together we can make so much possible even when individually we may feel that we're struggling. On Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, when we conclude our worship in this sanctuary, Shannon and I do not offer a benediction that says, good luck, it is what it is. We say, go forth in peace. In the resurrection power of God, make peace, spread the light, live in love. Because Jesus was resurrected into us. That's what Gary Will says in his beautiful book, What Jesus Meant. Jesus was resurrected into us, he says. We walk around living his life after his death. The resurrection was not something that happened a long time ago. It's happening now, everywhere on earth. He still slips into, through, and around the structures that would confine and confound him. That's the great good news of resurrection power. It's everywhere. It's unstoppable. It's coaxing us into life, into an awareness of greater life. So when we're looking for inspirational stories 
about people who make great use of their gifts and strengths and interests to bring more love and life into the world, just look into the mirror. We are the inspirational stories that demonstrate the truth that love endures. So long live life, long live love. And let's make that our mantra, our motto, our song. Words to wake up to and go to sleep with. Long live life and long live love. Because God won't have it any other way, nor should we. Amen.